This message is produced by the Transformation Edge Church. We believe you'll be inspired and transformed by it. The Trans Edge, a change is inevitable. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17, it says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone, the new is here. If anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. In other words, when we are in Christ, we are born, reborn of God. We are new. And when it says new creation, new creation, not of, it's, not, it's, not, uh, it's not refurbished, it's new. Are you still here? We're not refurbished. We are not the refurbished ones. We are new. And that's one thing that the devil wants you not to understand because he does not want you to understand that you've been cleared of your guilt. You've been cleared of your sin. You've been cleared of your, your shortfalls or shortcomings. He does not want you to know that. But the fact is you've not been cleared of it. The person who had the shortcoming does not exist anymore. This is new. And that is the gospel. That's the gospel. You're new. You are the new breed. So don't live your life according to the dictates of what you used to know. Live your life from, the God, from God's perspective. He, you are born again. Born again. You are not refurbished. You're born again and born of God. And that is why the greater one is pleased to reside on the inside of you. Amen. I'm sharing with you very quickly from the book of John, 1st John. And the title of my message this morning, very briefly, is Confessing Right. Making the right confession. Confessing Right. Shall we pray? Sweet Holy Spirit, we want to say thank you. Because as you speak to us, you are changing things. You are changing our mindset. You are causing us to perceive and receive the word of God, your word, the way you've designed it to be received. And Lord, we open our hearts. We're ready to be inundated by your word. So that when we leave here, we'll become an explosive waiting to explode. In our world, bringing good news everywhere we go, we become the light of this city in the name of Jesus because that's what you've made us to be. We praise you, God. Thank you, Holy Spirit. First John chapter 2, verse 12. It says, I'm writing to you, dear children, because your sins have been forgiven on account of his name. I'm writing to you, fathers, because you know him who is from the beginning. And I'm writing to you, young men, because you have overcome the evil one. It says, I write to you, dear children, because you're, you know the Father. I write to you, fathers, because you know him who is from the beginning. I write to you, young men, because you are strong, and the word of God lives in you, and you have overcome the evil one. Say amen to that. Thank you. And this was done writing to the church. And in this particular passage, he identified three set of people that he was writing to. The children, the fathers, and to this world. He's not only just talking to the fathers. He actually is talking to the adult, the mature. And then he's also addressing the youth. He said, I, I, I'm writing to you 
children because your sins have been forgiven. And I'm writing to you, those who are mature in Christ. What does it say to them? To the mature. I'm writing to you because you know him who is from the beginning. You are acquainted with him. You are familiar with his ways. You are no longer seeking out things of your own, but rather you have now understood how to rely on God in everything that you do. You now understand because you're mature. And he says, I'm writing to you, young men, youth. I'm writing to you, youth, because you have overcome the evil one. It's quite interesting. And then he went ahead to say in verse 14, the first part was, I'm writing to you. Now, the second part is, I write to you. In other words, he wants you to get it. The first part was to introduce you to your new life, to, to the new perception of your stage, whatever stage you are at in God. Probably you are the child in God, or you are the matured one in God, or you are even the youth, but we've got our roles to play in God. So as a child in God, he said, hey, your sins have been forgiven. Why? Because we're still learning the basics, the elementary principles of the gospel. So before adults, I'm writing to you because you've known him who is from the beginning. You know God. You know his ways. You know how to listen out to God. You know how to, um, you know how to believe him for something great. You know how to actually attach yourself to his promise. You know your place in God. And to young men, young women, the youth, say, I'm writing to you because you have overcome the evil one. You have overcome the evil one. So he said, I write to you, dear children, because you know the Father. I, I like that, that between verse 12, <laughs> thank you, Lord Jesus, between verse 12 and verse 14, the perception changed. Verse 12 says, I'm writing to you because your sins have been forgiven. Verse 14 is saying, I'm writing to you, children, because you now know the Father. And why did it change? Why does that perception change between verse 12 and verse 14 about the children? Because he knows the more the children listen to the world, the, the, the more they, the, the very quickly they change. Why? Children are very inquisitive. They're very inquisitive. And as a child of God, as a child in the house, as a new person, whatever, Provided you, 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 you put, position yourself in the place of, God, I just want to know more about you. I just want to know more. He shows you more. He shows you more. And the more he shows you, the more you learn very quickly. Why? Because children absorb very quickly. They're like sponge, right? They absorb information. They absorb knowledge. They just absorb. So in verse 12, he's saying, I'm writing to you so that you know that your sin has been forgiven. So you need to know where you are right now. Your sin has been forgiven. You say, okay, what sin? Your shortcomings. The things that used to hold you back, the things that used to tell you that, you know what? I don't even think God heard my prayer. Do you know why? Because of what I am or what I've done. And he's saying to you, I write to you, young children, who is still learning to understand the father that you have. If you read the book of Deuteronomy, chapter 28, from verse 15, you'll be scared what you see. you freak out even, because all the curses that you will ever hear in the world is, is in that chapter. If you don't obey the voice of God, this will happen, this will happen, and that will happen, and that will happen. But from verse 1 to verse 14, beautiful verses, beautiful blessings, beautiful promises, 
All right. Now, if you expose children who are, you know, I mean, not by, uh, physical children, but I mean people who've only just come to know God, to, to that part of the scripture where it says, um, you know, if you don't listen to the voice of God, um, the, the sky over you will turn bronze, and the ground that you, that you till, you, you know, all of those weird things, right? There's a possibility that the perception that you have of God will be completely different because you start to think, oh, this God must be a real terrible God. But don't forget, he wasn't talking to people who were obedient. He was talking to people who were disobedient. He said, if you choose to be disobedient, whilst I'm not doing this to you, but this is what you are going to experience, it's going to be difficult. The prodigal son, his father did not curse him. His father did not curse him. His father did not say, okay, now that you're leaving the house, you're going to find difficulty in your life. No, he didn't say that. His father did not wish him terrible things or wish him bad luck. Not at all. But the choices that children make has the potential of leading them astray. It does. Children touch, they, they just know how to touch even things that they are not supposed to touch. Actually, those are the things that they touch most or they seek to touch. Okay? Especially when you go, don't touch that. You go, ah, there must be something important there. And you carry them. You actually physically pick them up and take them to another room. They will just wait for you to put them down. And then they turn around going back to that same thing. You know, at times that's how we are, even as children of God, that regardless of the amount of God's word that we have consumed... Because we're not willing to understand that word and to start to see the perspective that God wants to show us, we keep going back to the things that God is weaning us from, so to speak. But you see, as we grow, as we mature, you, you start to realize that God has a beautiful, better purpose for you. Why? Because he wants you to mature well. He, he wants you to mature in a way that when you are grown up, you won't depart from it. Come on. It says, you know, um, what does it say? Train up a child in the way he should go. That when he's grown up, he will not depart from it. And how do you train up a child? By exposing them to the truth. Exposing them to the truth. Keep exposing them. Keep exposing them. All right? You're not forcing them because you force them, they realize that, oh, oh I thought you were a loving father. You aren't. But, but keep exposing them. Expose them to the truth to the point where the only option that you've always ever exposed them to is the truth. And then they understand how to decipher between the truth and a lie. Of course, they will, they will leave you one day. They will walk away one day and go out there and realize, oh, it's different out here. I thought it was going to be quite interesting, but it's not. And they remember the truth that you've always exposed them to. You see, that's why some people feel like, well, I don't know, I don't like church, you know, church is... And then, because you as a parent have always exposed them to the truth, no matter how far they stray, there's a seed that has been planted. And that seed never dies. It never dies. Why? Because that seed will grow. At times, some seeds take a long time to grow. But they will grow eventually. They'll grow. So all you need to do is just to keep watering. Every time you pick up the phone, give them a call and just pray over them. You know, speak the word of God to them. Don't bash them over the head with the Bible, but just you know, speak God's word over them. 
You know, I know what I've invested in you. I've been praying for you. It's great. You'll be okay. And they're complaining, well, the whole world is upside down, and I'm upside down with this. It's okay. That's all right. And I'm talking to God about you. Say, but I don't believe in God. It's okay. I do. And then continue to invest in prayers for them. Why? Because that seed will grow. And the more you pray for them, you are actually watering the seed that you have planted. But never forget, always expose them first to the truth of God's word. So he says, I'm writing to you, dear children, because your sins have been forgiven on account of his name. So basically, it's not on account of what you've done. It's on account of his name. And then in verse 14, he says, I write to you, dear children, because the, you know the Father. In other words, you have not grown to the point where you now understand who the Father is. It's not the Father who is portrayed in Deuteronomy chapter 28, verse 15, who is seen as though he punishes everyone who does not listen to him. But it's also, I think I was telling a story about the prodigal son, how he'd gone out, but the father did not curse him. But he all of a sudden realized, this life is not what I thought it is. And he got to the point where all, you know, everything he took from the father and said, well, I'm just going to go live my life, you know. Ended. Finished. Used it up. And then he said to himself, I'll go back to my father and say to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and before you. And I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. So take me in as one of your hired servants. And the perception around that was because the even hired servants have got food to eat in my father's house. So I'd rather, you know, go back to my father at least just to get something to eat. But what did the father say? He didn't respond to that, you know. He didn't respond. Because there was no need for response. Just see, instead of responding to the boy, <laughs> he turned to the servant and said, put a robe on him. Clean him up. Put a, a signet. He took his signet ring and gave it back to him. Now, that signet ring is a symbol of authority. In other words, you're restored. It's okay. And the signet ring that we have today is the name of Jesus. It's the name of Jesus. And Jesus said, go in my name. In my name you shall cast out devils. In his name. That's the signet ring, the symbol of authority. You know, we always talk about the name of Jesus. as You can walk in and the devil has no clue who you are. But you are the perfect impersonator. Because you've come in. As Jesus. But he sees your face and he's thinking, who is this person? I know you. Aren't you Lily? And he said, no, I come in the name of Jesus. I come in the name of Jesus. He said, okay, let's see your, your ID. And you show him your ID. It's possibly written Jesus Christ. And go, okay, I can't argue that. It's all right. Let her pass. And especially knowing that the battle is not yours. It's the Lord's. It's the Lord's. So don't ever try to go in your name because the devil will defeat you completely. He's defeated, but he defeats you through your mindset. He defeats you all the time. You don't play mind games with the devil. He, he's been there a thousand years. But, but no, one, no one here 
is a hundred years old yet. Or a thousand years old, but don't forget the devil has been there for <laughs> thousands and thousands of years. So he's gathered all this weird knowledge and understanding from the past. So if you want to play mind games with him, he will always beat you. He will always, he will always beat you. So instead of coming in your own name, in, in the book of Acts, the, the, the children of Sceva, you know, went to a, a demonized person, someone who was possessed with the devil, and, and said to, the, to, you know, and was praying and said, in the name of Jesus that Paul serves, demon come out of him. And <laughs> the devil looked at them and go, I know Paul, I know Jesus, but who are you? And the Bible tells us that he gave them the beating of their life. So that's what happens. That's what happens if you go in your name. In other words, that's what happens if you go thinking, well, I'm just going to reason it out. It has to make sense to me, so I'll just fix it myself. It won't work. And that's more of the reason Jesus gave us his name. At the name of Jesus, every knee should bow. So he said, I'm writing to you, dear children, because your sins have been forgiven. So if you don't know, know now. Your sins have been forgiven. Don't let it hold you back. Your sins have been forgiven. And there are some of us who already know that. But I'm speaking to the children. In other words, to, to um, the ones who are still wondering, does God love me? You know, um, does he, you know, am I cared for? How, how come I don't feel confident about, you know, about this new life that you're talking about? That's the kind of person that he's writing to. He said, your sins have been forgiven. First John 1, 9. He said, if you confess your sin, he's faithful and just to cleanse you, and to forgive you your sin and to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. From all unrighteousness. So I'm writing to you, your sins have been forgiven. Now. And he then went on to say, to the adult, to the mature. Say, so you've known him. You've known the Father who is from the beginning. You know him. You know his work. So what do we expect from parents? Parents ought to be teachers. Parents ought to be those who expose us to the truth. Parents ought to be those who are always willing to, to care, to nurture others within the house or in the household. And the children always look up to the parents, the mature all right? Yes, they do. So, John is writing to the parents. He said, you have already known the one who is from the beginning. You already know. So, because you know, continue to keep the faith that way. Continue to explore God that way. Get to know. You know, it's not getting to know, but rather continue to let the young ones know who the father is. You know, I've always said that I, I didn't really understand completely Although I thought before then I understood the, fa the father nature of God. But until I started having my own children, I really didn't get what it meant when, God, when, when it said that God is our father. God is our loving father. Especially in that scripture in Matthew when, when Jesus said, you know, if you guys being humans, you know how to give good gifts to your children. That when they ask you for bread, you don't give them stone. And they ask you for uh, uh, you know, fish, you don't give them serpents or snakes. He said, what do you think of your heavenly father? Who will freely give you the Holy Spirit? 
So in other words, the best thing he's got to give is the Holy Spirit. His Spirit. If you think about the Holy Spirit, you might probably have the idea of separating and say, Holy Spirit, so what does that mean? No, he's talking about himself. His Spirit. So he's willingly giving you his Spirit to stay in you. That's interesting. So, so what do you think of your Heavenly Father who will willingly give you himself? So when I had my children, I realized, I started to realize, I'm still realizing what that means. I'm still exploring what that means. And, every, and at every stage of life, I get to understand what that means. They might make mistakes. It's okay. It's a phase. You're learning through it. And they will learn as far as I'm exposing them to the truth of God's word. So he said, I say to you, Matured ones, to the fathers and mothers. Say, so you already know him, the father who is from the very beginning. And then he says, I say to you, young men and women, to the youth. So you are strong. Say that with me. You are strong. And the word of God abides in you. And you have overcome the wicked one. Think about these tenses. He didn't say, I say to you, young men, you will be strong. The word of God will abide in you and you will overcome. No, it's not a promise. It's a declaration. It's a declaration. He said, you are strong. So regardless of how you see yourself, you are strong. You are strong. And the word of God abides in you. It resides on the inside of you. It's been sown in you. You are strong. So every time things are happening in your life, draw on the Word of God that has been deposited in you. You are strong. The Word of God abides in you, and you have overcome. He didn't say you will overcome. And that's the interesting part. So don't find yourself in a place where you always pray, oh God, come on, oh God, show up. No, he said you have overcome. You have overcome. We need to come to the knowledge of the truth. You have overcome the, the wicked one. You have overcome. You have. Ephesians chapter 6 says, Stand therefore. Stand therefore. He didn't say fire. He said, For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they are mighty true God, to so the pulling down with strongholds, casting down imaginations and anything that exalts itself above the knowledge of God. So it's about imagination. He said, Cast it down, pull it down. Your imagination is running riot, thinking God is no longer supportive of you, thinking you are on your own. No, you are not on your own. Actually, the time where you think you are on your own, that is when he comes through even more. You're not on your own. Say to someone, you're not on your own. Oh, you're not confident about that. Say it confidently. You are not on your own. Say to another person and be very confident. You are not on your own. You're not on your own. You're not on your own. Jesus said, I will be with you till the end of the age. You're not on your own. So let your confession be that way. Let your confession look at God's word and go, you know what? I am strong. And the word of God abides in me. 
and I have is in the past tense. I have. Come on, say that with me. I have overcome the wicked one. I have. You know, at times when you start saying it, your mind doesn't get it. It's okay. If I were you, I'll just keep saying it until my mind gets it. Until my mind gets it. And this is one of my favorite scriptures. You know, when things are happening that I don't understand, I just go, I'm strong. And the word of God abides in me. And I've overcome the wicked one. At times I say, I start saying it very quietly. I'm strong, the word of God abides in me. And I start to realize that my mind is not getting it. My mind is not receiving it. I just keep saying it. I'm strong, and the word of God abides in me. I'm strong, the word of God abides in me, and I've overcome the wicked one. I'm strong, the word of God abides in me, and I've overcome the wicked one. The more you say, the more you realize that gradually you are getting your own attention. Because the word is already true. But you need to pay attention to it. And all of a sudden, at times this happens in the car or even in the house. All of a sudden, I see myself going I'm strong. The word of God abides in me. And all of a sudden it clicks. The reality dawns on me. Go, yes! The word of God abides in me. Why? Because greater is he that is in me than he who is in the world. I'm not on my own. I'm full of God's word. I'm full of God's word. Whatever is happening to me, God is not unaware. He knows. So even if it's happening, all I'll do is to remember the, you know, the scripture, Ephesians chapter 6, to stand. I'll just keep standing. I'm unmovable, unshakable. Stand. It's getting worse by the day. My job is to stand. Well, two jobs that I found, actually three, that I found in the scripture that I'm required to do is to, number one, keep my peace. Ensure that it's undisturbed. Exodus chapter 14. So the Lord shall fight for you while you keep your peace, while your peace is undisturbed. So number one is to keep my peace. Then number two is in Hebrews chapter 12. Looking up to Jesus, take, take my, taking my eyes away from the circumstances, from the problem, and looking up to Jesus. Actually, that scripture, you know, really suggests looking away, but unto Jesus. Looking away unto Jesus. All right, the author and finisher of your faith, looking unto Jesus. That's the second one. So the first one is to keep my peace. The second one is looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of my faith. And the third one is to stand. So keep my peace. Look unto Jesus and stay standing. Stay standing. Don't let anything move you. So put on the whole armor of God. The helmet, the breastplate. The, you know, uh, the, the belts, you know, your feet short with, um, you know, preparation of the gospel. All of that. It said put on the whole armor. Put it on. Do you know why it says put on the whole armor? We've said this before. It's because when the devil sees you, he does not understand who is behind the armor. 
So he's always thinking it's still Jesus. Because he recognizes that that's the armor that defeated him. Yeah. Are you still here? He said, but, but how can he know? Because the helmet, the full real helmet covers your face. It's almost like a mask. So no one knows who is behind the armor. But, you know, the Bible is saying, just, you just stand. Wear the armor and stand. So you might be freaking out inside the armor, but don't let it show on the outside. Just stand. All right? So that is not to say, to some extent, that you are not worried about the situation. But all you need to do is stand. Keep the peace. Look unto Jesus and stand. Are you still here? So keeping the peace means don't let your heart be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me, Jesus said. So keep the peace. Keep believing in God. And then look unto Jesus because he started this thing with you and he's going to complete it in you. And then just stand. The devil does not know who is behind, so he just sees the armor. The Bible tells us about him. You know, the one who created the person who decided to become the devil told us what is in the devil. And what's in him? He said, resist the devil and he will flee. Right? So there is a flee button that is programmed into him when you stand. So you stand by resisting his, you know, his, his tricks. He's saying, well, it's, it's going to go down on you. Well, your car is not going to work. Well, you, your child is going to go this way and that way. Well, your mortgage, is, you're not going to be able to repay your mortgage for the next six months because you've lost this. All I'm asking you to do is keep the peace. Look unto Jesus. Stand. Right? That's easy enough. Right? Keep the peace. Look unto Jesus. Stand. Keep your confessions right. Don't be scared of him. You know, we are not made Christians so that we'll fight the devil all our lives. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind. Look unto him. He'll sustain you. He'll keep you. We're going to confess God's word. If there's any sickness in your body, one of the things you're going to say is, God, I thank you because by your stripes we were healed. He didn't say we're going to be healed. Go check it out in Isaiah. He said, by his stripes we were healed. It's in the past tense. In other words, all you need to do is to walk into that into that activity, into that work, into the promise of God that by his stripes we were healed. So you're healed. So regardless of what is happening in your body right now, you're already healed. So all you need to do is to accept the healing that has been provided for you. By his stripes we were healed. We were healed. And he said he sent the word. He sent his word and healed their diseases. And the beautiful thing is that he sent Jesus to us. And the, and the uh, communion is a representation of the body and the blood of Jesus Christ. And what we're saying is, you know what, Jesus, we accept what you've done. We thank you for what you've done. And we are connecting again to what you've done. We affirm what you've done. And this is one of the things that Jesus has told us. He said, keep doing this till I come. He said, keep doing this till I come. 
Hallelujah. Second Corinthians chapter 11. I always say this when we are about to have our communion. You know how there are places where people have the, the interesting ideas about it, weird ideas about who is meant to take the communion and who cannot take the communion. The Bible did not tell us who should not, but the Bible says not to take the communion in a state where we do not recognize it for what it is. In other words, we should take it in such a way that it, it is not a curse to us, but rather blesses. Another premise that, that underpins that is that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. So, if you're thinking, well, I'm not pure enough for the communion, don't deceive yourself. You'll never be pure enough for the communion. If it's by purity, you will never be. But while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. So he's not looking out for how pure you are, but rather on your understanding of what he's done for you. So what we've become today is not because we worked for it. It's because he did it for us. Lord, we give you our hearts. We give you our soul. We thank you for what you do and how you do them. We thank you for giving us word that changes the position every day. We thank you because we are not defeated. We thank you because we are not disadvantaged. We thank you because we are above and not beneath. We thank you because we are strong and the word of God abides in us and we have overcome the wicked one. We overcome the wicked one by the word of your testimony and by the blood of a lamb. We praise you, God, because we'll continue to grow in you. We'll continue to enjoy the peace in you. We'll continue to fix our eyes on Jesus. And we'll continue to stand, oh God, in the victory that you've provided to us. We praise you, God. We honor you, Father. We are not ambivalent in our decisions, God. Because a double-minded man or woman is unstable in all his ways. We are not double-minded. Our hearts are focused on you. And Lord, that is why you continue to cause your face to be seen. You continue to cause your power to be experienced. You continue to cause good things to work in our lives. I praise you, God. That regardless of what people are experiencing in their lives, Father, you said in your word in Romans chapter 8 that all things work together for good. So we trust you, God, that you will use whatever situation or circumstance for our good because you are a father and you love us so. We praise you, God, in Jesus' name. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise God. Amen. The message you've heard was produced by The Transformation Edge, and we hope it has inspired you. For more information, please visit our website, www.thetransedge.com, or you may contact us via email to frontdesk at thetransedge.com, or on Facebook, The Transedge Church. You may wish to call us on 02-4731-2419. The Transedge, a change is inevitable.